Live from Austin, Texas, this is Diversity Cafe, hosted by me, Angela Hood, CEO and founder of This Way Global. Our podcast features HR tech and recruiting experts that know our industry inside and out. They are the best of the best. Join us and enjoy a cup of your favorite brew and get the insight you need to meet recruiting and diversity challenges head on. Let's get started. Today, I welcome back Torin Ellis, one of my favorite guests. How are you? Third time's a charm. I'm feeling good. Right. How you feel? I'm good, and I'm going to tell you why. So my son is a U.S. Navy diver. Very proud to be, I think, fifth generation veteran that we have in our family. And he sent me a present. And this is my brew for the day. Death Wish Coffee. Death Wish Coffee. like, And it says the world's strongest coffee. Put it close to the camera. All right. Yeah, the world dark roast whole bean. So is it really strong? It is very strong. And I love strong coffee. And here's why. I'm doing intermittent fasting, you know, trying to get my health on, um, drop some pounds, drop some LBs. And I found, you know, so the only thing I allow myself to have is water and coffee. Okay. Okay. During my fasting period. So one cup of coffee. If I have that one, I'm good. Like I, I'm, I'm good all the way to two. Okay. I don't okay. feel ramped up. I don't feel bad. I don't know what it is about it, but I, you know, he knows me pretty well. I got the dark roast whole bean. So highly recommend it. Yes. 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 All right, so what are you drinking? Well, let me ask you first of all, how long you've been doing intermittent fasting? I'm on week three. Okay. All right. I like that. So yeah. for me, nothing more than some, some kind of organic tea. It's, and it's in a cup that uh, my dear friend Lars Schmidt from Amplify HR sent to me. Okay, nice. Um, you know, he put my initials on the back. And let me tell you, Ange, um, he he sent this cup like in a is like a little swag box. It was this along with his book. Got his book here, redefining HR. Nice. So he put he put this book, that cup, and something else in a, a swag box. And I'm not even exaggerating. The swag box sat in the corner of my office for almost two and a half months. I didn't even open it wow. because I had already purchased his book on my own. And so when I looked at the mug and I saw my initials on it, I was like, oh, this man is really thinking about your kid. So I'm drinking tea. What are we going to talk about today? All right. Here we go. So we've had some really great conversations. And I want to get your feedback on something that you would have to be like not living to be talking about right now, which is what everyone's calling the great resignation. Okay. I don't think it's a great resignation at all. That's my personal belief. I have a different thought about it. I'm not going to even tell you what it is. I want to get your thoughts on it first, but, um, Part of the reason why I'm wearing my cowboy hat is because people ha ask me when they meet me and they find out I'm from Texas. They're like, do you have a cowboy hat? Do you have a horse? Do you have all the things, right? I'm like, yes, of course I have a cowboy hat. This is a Stetson. It's huge, the whole bit. But people think that about me because I'm from Texas. That's the only reason why they think that. When 
I think about how we think about candidates. We do the same thing to them. We're like, oh, you're from New York. You must be like this. You're from California. You must be like this. And that's how they get treated inside companies. And I think we treat them like we package them up in this little bundle and say, I know everything about you because of where you're from or what college you went to or whatever. And that's all we do to them. We just we bundle them up, package them, and we don't treat them like an individual. We don't ask them what they really care about, why they really want to work for you, what would be meaningful, how would you feel like you would love your job if we did X or Y. We don't have those conversations. I think people are over it. They're done. They're out. And that's why we see so many people starting their own companies. But I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, it sounded to me like you you did share how you were feeling about it, which is cool. I mean, it's your I podcast. Share all of it, though. I got something I'm going to wait for. Okay, no worry. All right. So I remember in a, a previous episode, I made reference to uh, a speech that I did in 2018 titled Everybody Wants Ice Cream. Yeah. In that presentation, and I can't remember where the data point came from, but in that presentation, Angela, it talked about how um, every single day for the next, I want to say, 20 years, and this was back in 2018, every single day for the next 20 years, 10,000 people would retire out of the workforce. Now, I want you to think, and I'm going to move around a little bit because I want to paint a picture for people. In 1980s, in the 80s, um, Jack Welch was regarded as an incredible CEO and leader. Business books written about him, case studies at Wharton Business School and so many other B schools were talked about Jack Welch and his reign time at GE. I'm not suggesting that he was or wasn't a good leader because I, A, didn't work at the organization and B, you know, I was in the military coming out of high school, going into the military in the 80s. So my frame of reference is not that. But 20 or so something years later, now there are conversations that suggest that he was the father of outsourcing. Yep. So what do we have? We've always had business process outsourcing. We've at least for the last 20, 30 years been doing everything that we can to offshore employment and opportunity to places that are cheaper. We've had a continuous progression of technical advancement, technology implementations. So we that's been a constant thread, even though it looks different today than it did in 1996 with the, you know, really the, the push towards the internet. Companies have always tried to become more efficient and better. No one would agree. I'm sorry, disagree with that. So the only thing that we've seen different in the last two years is the pandemic. So when we think about the great resignation, it would be irresponsible to have any conversation around the great resignation and not include, well, what is the pandemic or how is the pandemic being considered in that person's departure? And what I think is a lot of recruiters have to change their conversation. Like you, if you are in certain fields, certain mm -hmm. geographies, you have to be able to say, taking this job may possibly lead to your death. Wow. Because now, are you, you saying that? this 
because of COVID. That's right. Okay. And and you're, you people are out there listening and saying, "What well, did you just say that?" Yes, I did. People are dying. So I don't know how many of the, you know, close to a million at this particular point were actual people working that have died, but there's a large number of them that were actually working and have now died. So I think that the great resignation is a matter of a number of considerations with the pandemic being at the top. And I think when you have that very strong consideration around this job may cause me my life. And if it's not because of an illness, it could be my mental and emotional stability. It could be my lack of recognition. It can just be because I'm not appreciated. It can also be I'm not being compensated. I'm tired of the drive. I thought I had to do it this way. I can absolutely do something different. It is a whole host of reasons. So, A, I believe the great resignation is happening. I believe it's happening for a myriad of reasons. Many of the reasons are consistent, Angela. They've been with us for the last 20 years. Black women have been starting businesses. Every single year it has grown, but it's grown more because they are just frustrated more. So the the reasons that we've been considering have been with us for 20, 25 years. The pandemic is the one that I think has put it over the top. So I want to tell you the, the part that I didn't share, and this is because I think primarily I look at it from a very specific perspective. Uh, I'm a female engineer. I was uh, when my children were small. I was married, as I am still today, to uh, a Marine fighter pilot. And they up and deploy, and they go to boat workups and all kinds of stuff. So you've got, someone has got to be able to take care of the kids all the time. If I had a pandemic that had happened to me when I was still working and I was still married to uh, someone who's going to be gone a lot, and knowing the upheaval that's happened in schools, I would have done one of two things. I would have quit completely, just stayed at home, or I would have taken a job that had completely flexible hours that I could do at my from my home. But I, my kids were always the priority. And I think, I think with most parents, that's the way it works. And so one of those parents in a household with young children is likely saying to themselves, I can't in good conscience keep up a full-time role, especially one that requires me to go into an office somewhere or manufacturing facility, whatever. Uh, I've got to be able to have the flexibility to be home if school's canceled or if I don't want to send my kids in to a place because I don't agree with the COVID regulations. I mean, there's just all of this uncertainty right now. So do you think that people are waiting yeah, waiting for the you know, the resolution, uh, waiting for a company to be clear about what they expect of their workers. Are they going to have to be vaccinated, et cetera? Or do you think that they've made more permanent decisions and they're not going to be coming back into the workforce? Yeah. So, I mean, again, Angela, I just think back to March 5th, that first week of, of, of 2020. It's terrible. Uh, and I remember when when I was on Sirius XM that, that particular Friday, I think it was a Friday, and I remember the announcement came down from South by Southwest in yep. your area that they were canceling. And oh. the moment I saw that come across my email and across my Twitter feed, 
The moment that happened, no exaggeration, the moment that happened, I said, we're in for something. I don't know what it is, but whatever we, this, this COVID thing is serious. Here I am making that health related, business related response because of South by Southwest. And we were right. I'm I'm not a seance or yeah, yeah, we were right. It is something. So the answer to your question is, Absolutely. But so this way Global's office was 150 yards from the conference center, convention center in Austin. See? And we were standing outside. It's like one of those moments where you're like, I know exactly where I was. We were standing outside in front of our office and we were looking up the street towards the convention center. And it was a Friday because we were uh, we have hippo happy hour in our company. It's a mm-hmm. long story, it's kind of something funny, but Anyway, so we were headed to Hippo Happy Hour, and all of a sudden it became very somber because I had the same conversation with my team. I was like, this is something very, very different. Very, very different. So I know know that it's a consideration. A lot of people are leaving this workforce because of their precious kings and queens at home, their princesses and princesses at home. They're absolutely considering them. I'm doing it now. And mine is not even a baby. You know, my child, my youngest child is uh, a junior in high school. And in the last couple of weeks of of, uh, 2021, I'm sending out tweets to the superintendent of schools, to his principal and to my congressional person. Like, you need to get this thing together. You know, like this whole going back and forth. You are watching people come into these schools with um, with uh, testing positive. My son is wearing his mask. He's not drinking any liquids in school. He's not eating lunch in school. It is an issue for me that he is doing all that he can to be protected, hungry, famished, thirsty, still an incredible student, but trying to be protective in a way that he doesn't bring anything home to us. Yes, it is a consideration. And I don't see us um, seeing anything different in this definition or uh, calendar of a great resignation before the end of the year. I don't see it being any different. This is so a conversation. Of 2022. All of 2022. Yeah, right. All of 2022, because in conjunction with the great resignation, you have to put on top of that vaccine mandates. You have to put on that the various variants that keep, you know, right. we cannot get away. And and then, like I said, all of the other considerations that have always persisted, businesses trying to be more efficient, people being tired of not being compensated, whatever. This is this this conversation in the intensity in which we are having it is not going to change before the end of 2022. So I think we also have not touched on the fact that we had roughly four million baby boomers that could retire that did. They said, I am over this stuff. I don't want to deal with it. Also, they're older, which means that they're more susceptible to, if they get sick, more susceptible to not being able to heal from it. So I think there's a very real consideration on their part. We've also have a new workforce that should be coming out of university right now, right? So we should have had graduates from last year, the year before. Um, I am very fortunate that I'm receiving an award uh, out of my undergrad university, Texas A&M, for an Outstanding Alumni Award. 
And the reason why I share that is because it's giving me access to the deans at the different colleges for me to ask them really what is going on. And this is not Texas A&M University specific. This is universities in the United States. They're saying that the students are not ready. They're not ready to leave and go out in the world because a lot of them don't feel like they really had a strong senior year. They don't feel like they have, let's say you're a biochemist, you know, you don't feel like your labs were strong enough because everything was virtual. And so you're like, I'm not ready to go out and try to get a job with a big pharma company. I need to go do some other things. They're seeing record numbers of people saying, maybe I'll just get my master's because they don't, they're not, they don't feel prepared. So they just say, well, I'll just keep learning, hoping that one day I'll get all of the information I need to get these jobs. What can we say to employers that are struggling? I mean, this is very real. Think about it from the employer's perspective and give them a little bit of empathy to say, you're trying to figure out the, the government has mandated that if you have, I believe it's over 100 employees, you have to get vaccinations. And there's all kinds of legal battles about this. What are they to do? Because they need to have people come to work for them. It doesn't matter how great of a job ad they present to them. Yep. If the person doesn't agree with the policy that that company has, how can they keep their company going and generating revenue? Because we need that to st sustain our economy. Yeah, I'm gonna slant my response to the DNI side of okay. the of of the equation. It it really works across you know the continuum of hiring or to the question in which you are asking. But but I'm gonna slant my response a bit towards the diversity and inclusion side. But before I do that, in 2014, Bentley University put out a report titled "The Prepared." you project and your listeners can google that again 2014 and and folks that have listened you you're saying well well torn why do you why do you in the last episode you were here you probably brought up larry fink in that 2018 report why are you bringing up all of these old reports i bring up the old reports because they influence and shape where we are today the 2014 bentley university prepared you project speaks specifically to what you just said. And that kind of goes to what I said. We've had these issues that have just been present year after year after year for the last 20, 25 years. So in general, collegiate graduates or undergraduates feeling unprepared, no surprise. Put the pandemic on top of that. And it's exactly what I said in the beginning of our conversation. The catalyst here is the pandemic. So to your question, what do we do? It's what I said in 2015 when I wrote an article, there needs to be a stronger relationship between corporate America and the academic institutions or academic systems across the country. And that doesn't mean you only align with the universities and the institutions where you have found favorable. It means saying, okay, wait a minute. If I've been recruiting from these 10 schools for the last 20, 30, 40 years or longer, do I continue to put all of my resources there or do I say my cachet is good on these university campuses? Let's take those resources and let's reallocate them to a different crop of schools and begin creating relationships. 
Let's work with department heads to influence the syllabus. Let's work with department heads to perhaps do some co-learning, some in, in, internal internships or externships or whatever. Let's be closer to the leads of these business units, I'm sorry, these academic units, these departments. Let's have more relationships with the undergraduate students. Let And, and I don't want to call them lunch and learns, but let's have nights of pizza. Let's do movie night. Let's just build relationship with them so that everything is not hinging on the fact that they are graduating. Everything is not waiting on whether or not they got an internship. If corporate America wants to change the result, or the preparedness of undergraduate students, corporate America is going to have to do something different. That doesn't alleviate the schools from having to do something different, but there's a gap. The schools are putting together these syllabuses and this learning track, this curriculum, and it doesn't line with what we need out here. So right. even in their best effort, they're missing the mark and these students are saying to themselves, wait a minute, I grew up on technology. I've been opening laptops forever, programming since I was 12, and I'm still not able to go into some of these organizations and be able to make an impact in a short period of time. So I just think the solution, Angela, is not that organizations are donating money to college campuses, but that they get on the college campus and more than just a recruiting event, they got to create relationship. Well, and I think part of this relationship extends to the day, whether it be an internship or it be a permanent role, but when they start applying to the company, uh, that you give them timely response back on those applications. So I, I'm not going to obviously say the company names, but we have about five or six companies that are very, very large that are customers of ours. And it takes them over nine months sometimes over a year to hire a person and they wonder why they have this fall off rate. I said, because the person needs a job, they want a job. They're proactively engaging with you to become employed with you. And the, the treatment that they get is this. And I think you know, the, the candidate experience cannot be underestimated about how much it affects, not just are you going to be able to hire and fill these roles, but also your brand in the mind of consumers, because those people that are um, interviewing are also possibly your customers. Yeah, absolutely. Again, but you now now you're playing in a whole different territory, which is probably another pod. Uh, when we start talking about candidate experience, when we talk about what it looks like to be an applicant, what it looks like to be a prospect, what it actually looks like to be a candidate, three different personas, three different um, you know, journey maps should be created. So that's a whole nother conversation. So I won't, I won't open that one up. I'm just <laughs> going to leave it on the fact of this great resignation is something that's happening. I think it's going to happen all of this year. And I think organizations, if they really want to, to mitigate that, let, let's just use the word mitigate. I think okay. that they need to absolutely listen to their employees. I don't think they need to take all of their guidance and direction from necessarily a governmental agency, but listen to the voice of your employee. If those, we got five generations in the workplace. Correct. So if those employees are really, really telling you this whole return to work is not happening. It's, it's just not working for us. Then you need to take that in the, don't discount your employees. Listen to them. 
All right, so I'm going to, we're going to set aside all the employers that have that luxury, okay? The ones that have the luxury of not having work in place. But now I want us to take up very specifically the employers that you have to come to that facility because maybe you're in wastewater treatment, maybe you're in some other form of utilities and you know, you've got to have utilities operating still. Maybe you're in uh, food packaging. We continue to have to have food. So what do you say to those employers who don't have the luxury of saying yeah. you don't have to come to work? Yeah. Again, it's just, it's looking at work differently, you know, in, in the software or um, yeah, software development space, they have something called sprints, agile sprints, sprints, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever they're short term, if you will, we need to look at work differently. And so if that means that we have a facility where it needs to be, you know, um, pe people have to be on premise, maybe we have staggered shifts. Maybe we have shifts where only people in the A shift are vaccinated. People in the B shift are the unvaccinated. So I just think that we need to we need to be a bit more open and creative about how we are bringing people into the workplace. If I'm an unvaccinated individual and I'm reticent and I'm I mean I'm absolutely adamant about getting a vaccination, then I should work with other people that feel exactly the same way. You shouldn't necessarily, I shouldn't have to necessarily work with that person if I'm vaccinated, if I'm boosted. So I just think if, if we have parent, uh, you, employees that are uh, single parents, if you will, and, and have smaller children, maybe we, uh, and, and again, looking at our data, a large number of them are that, or take public transportation. Cool. Then what's a way that we can put, put together a shift where, you know, from a public transportation standpoint, vaccination standpoint, childcare standpoint, we are taking all of these things as much as we possibly can into consideration. And I think we continue to make our businesses run and run with minimal or less, you know, risk of people contracting the virus. So, Torn, if, uh, if a person is listening and they're trying to solve this problem in their own company and they want to reach out to you to talk to you, it sounds like you've got some really creative thoughts about how to approach these things. Where would they reach out to you and uh, what would you say is the best way to contact you and ask for help? Well, one thing about me is Torn knows how to play in his lane. And so while I may have some opinion, um, I may have some observation, some suggestion. I'm an analytical person, but I'm not a trainer. I'm not a healthcare professional. Uh, I'm not an organizational design individual. I, I'm a diversity and inclusion strategist. I'm a person who helps organizations mitigate the risk by not approaching, pursuing DNI. And so where you can find me is across all of social media at Torin Ellis. Again, across all of social media at Torin Ellis. Or you can go to my LinkedIn or website, which is torinellis.com. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us. I love to get your insight. And I don't think there's a bigger problem that we need to solve as a society. We're going to have to work together to solve it. And love having your insight on that. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate you. Make sure you continue to have a good afternoon. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Diversity Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see the growth of fair recruiting, please share it with others. Post it on social media and leave a nice review. To stay caught up on all the latest, follow This Way Global on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at thiswayglobal.com.